Are you ready for the Horror Shed Podcast starting now? Welcome back everyone to the Horror Shed Podcast. I'm Jared. Down below us we have South Jersey Jason, Brian. What's going on, Jared? Ah, uh, you know, just haunt season's ramping down. Yeah, you got what two weeks left? Two weeks, and then I'm gonna be like happy for like a week, and then I'm gonna be miserable again until one of them open for Christmas <laughs> for another eleven months. Yeah, <laughs> like, but just, just think about you'll get your weekends back and you can relax for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and the Phillies are killing it. The Eagles are killing it. If I didn't, I was. For sure, I thought the Eagles might have lost it last night. Yeah, they didn't, and uh, the Phillies wouldn't even made the wild card if I didn't play in this epic haunt trip. I'm telling <laughs> you. <laughs> All right, but today we're gonna get into the real history of the Watcher, since we're both from Jersey. Thought this would be a cool, cool episode to do, since this is kind of taking over Netflix right now. Right. Yeah, I think uh, it. Took over first place, like put Dahmer in second place. Oh, wow. That's yeah. impressive. Cause... I think because I saw an article that said Dahmer is now in second place in Netflix by a new show. Uh... So I don't, but if, I mean, that's really the only new show I can think of that they came out. Yeah, that could even touch Dahmer because Dahmer yeah. set records. Yeah. Now, do you think if um, he was nominated for, like, say, an Emmy or Golden Globe, or do you think that would be in bad taste? <sighs> I don't know because wasn't the guy who played in Psycho nominated for stuff? In Psycho, who um, Anthony Perkins? Yeah, but Norman Bates was a fictional yeah, character. That's true. I don't know. It's tough. It's really tough because yeah. there's a big argument to not do this stuff anymore. But yeah. I think it raises heavy awareness. Yeah. If more people know what happened, you can protect yourself from certain things from happening. Yeah, like I never. I must have forgot about it, but I didn't know that Jesse Jackson got involved. Oh, he yeah. him as a hate crime, you know? Um, or, I mean, did he just have an affection towards, you know, African-Americans? Or did was Jesse Jackson right in thinking he prayed in this area because there wasn't a lot of police? No, presence? he prayed in that area because it was cheap to live there. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to be super responsible in that place. He could do what he was doing and get away with it. He found that out early. And then it wasn't that he was just attracted to the black dudes. It was their structure. I've always read that he liked the fit dude. So it was just, it wasn't him looking colors. It was him looking at who was in the best shape. Did you get to the part where he's dancing at the club? Yes. Oh, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a typical white dude with no rhythm dance. Yeah, because if you go with the first hitchhiker that wanted the ride to the Pegasus concert, mm-hmm. he was a white dude. He was yeah. ripped. And he yeah. fantasized about the jogger who was a white dude. I it wasn't it's just I think I think the dad knew who he was early on mm-hmm. and tried to control it with the the um the taxidermy exactly that's the word i'm looking for but i think that didn't that just made him it fueled the fire yeah yeah yeah. um you know a lot of comparisons are relating to him in like dexter like there's um the dark passenger yeah yeah good bit and i have to say also like 
with the casting of the victims, I felt like they did a pretty good job, especially with Tony, the deaf gentleman. Yeah. Like that actor was spot on, like everything. It was pretty eerie. And you know who I think did also a great job was Kiki. Not What's not her name? Not Kiki Palmer. She's in something else. But the woman who played the next door neighbor, yes. she's, she's always in a lot of stuff. She was really good. Yeah. And it just, yeah. it, it really broke down to what we're dealing with today is the police breakdown. Yeah, I mean, they wanted nothing to do with it because they knew he was gay, and mm-hmm. it was you know they even called it a crack den, it wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it might have had undesirables, but there was families living there. Yeah, and it wasn't like um, Cabrini Green, right? You know, yeah, but it was still yeah, bad part. Now, do you um, believe in the theory that he possibly killed Adam Walsh while he was living in Florida? <sighs> It's a little far fetched, mm-hmm. because how old was Adam Walsh when that happened? Was uh, he eight? eight or nine? Yeah, yeah. I, I think he was too young because he wouldn't be fit, right? And I yeah. think that's what he preyed on. Yeah, so I doubt it. Okay, but an interesting look where conspiracies to throw in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about Dahmer. No, we just always end up serial killers <laughs> just get us talking because it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so weird. We're here to talk about and and then you know after you we we finish this, I want to talk to you about a possible book that I want to buy involving the Amityville House Ooh. to get your opinion before I purchase it. Okay, okay, Do that. Um, so we're here to talk about an unknown person. Yeah, still unknown. Yeah. So. Everyone knows about the Netflix series The Watcher coming out from creator Ryan Murphy, who made American Horror Story, and is based on a true story. I haven't watched it yet, because I kind of wanted to do this episode before I watched it, so it mm-hmm. didn't flaunt me, because I've actually read up on this quite a bit, because it's it's crazy. It's so weird. Yeah. yeah. All right, so this is from Time Magazine. I'm going to use Time Magazine's article here, and it's pretty much the same thing as what I sent you from... New Jersey to digest. Okay. So we have in the series streaming now, Dean and Nora Brannock played by Bobby Cannavale, who is awesome in uh, the boardwalk empire. Yeah. And Naomi Watts, who usually does a pretty good job. Mm -hmm. Move to an idyllic New Jersey neighborhood where they assume their kids will be cocooned from the evils of the world. But these affluent suburbs hide something sinister. Shortly after settling into their new home, the couple starts receiving threatening letters from someone calling themselves the Watcher. This unwelcome pen pal begins to terrorize the family in ways that should make any American horror story, I uh, had to throw that in there, <laughs> fan feel right at home. Oh, man, that's now- crazy. Was it only this family, or did he did this person do it before to like anyone else who lived there? I think it's so far this just this family okay. that's been recorded. Okay. Because apparently he this family's been watching this home since the twenties. We'll get into that. Okay. The Brannock scene and the Watcher are based on the real life couple Derek and Maria Brodus. Three days after the couple closed on their Westfield, New Jersey home in 2014, they received their first letter from a person known as the Watcher. The white envelope with big block letters was addressed to the new owner of the six-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bathroom estate that was built in 1905. Inside was a tight note that started cordially enough, according to New York Magazine, that's where all this started, was a 2018 article in New York Magazine that inspired all of this. 
Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. The tone of the message quickly became far less friendly. The anonymous writer claimed that he that the home located 45 minutes outside of New York City had been the subject of the subject of his family for decades now as it approaches its 110th birthday. I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. The letter questions whether the Brodices knew about the history of the 3,869-square-foot single-family home. Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? The writer asked, I will find out. So the police reportedly did search the home and found nothing in the walls. Did does, does he did they say they did they open up the walls like no nah, it you... doesn't say it just said they investigated yeah. maybe they just okay. walked in and knocked yeah <laughs> I, okay so I'm, okay, we got a forty year time span so when did they move in I'm sorry 2012 2014 2014 so so the father could have watched it from the 40 to the 80s so where's that. Why is there a time gap? Yeah. You know, he didn't say anything like, I'm just, you know, throwing something ah, out there. Ah, but it's a good idea. It's like, it's like Jeepers Creeper every 23 years. <laughs> <laughs> the letter writer seemed to have done their due diligence on the Brodus family, scolding the couple for making renovations to the home and threatening to kidnap their three children. Mm. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? The mysterious stalker wrote, Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. The letter had no return address, but closed with an ominous line. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. It was signed, The Watcher, in a typed cursive font. Mm. So I wonder if it was, there's no return address. I wonder if he just put it in the mailbox, or did he or did he actually mail it? It doesn't say there's a stamp. Mm. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's right there. You could pinpoint what post office it came from. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously he was watching when they were doing construction. Was he a construction worker? Right. But Jersey, you know, big enough projects, you need to put shit on the window. So you would be able to tell something was being changed. Yeah. Yeah. The following day, Derek and Maria discovered that the previous owners of their new home, John and Andrea Woods, had also received a strange letter from someone calling themselves the Watcher. So it's two families now. Okay. In the days before they moved out, the Woods got a letter in which the writer claimed that they had been keeping a close eye on the house. The couple, who had lived there for 23 years, that's weird because you just said 23 years, (laughs) (laughs) and had never heard from the Watcher before assumed it was a prank and promptly threw the letter out without giving it much Mm. thought. The police, however, took the letter seriously and advised the Brodices not to tell anyone else about the note, especially their new neighbors who are now suspects. Mm. Two weeks after the first letter, another one arrived. Quote, The workers have been busy and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings, the watcher wrote. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. 
This time around, the Watcher referred to the Broaduses by name, misspelling their surname as Mr. and Mrs. Bradis. So it looks like they kind of looked them up. Mm-hmm. Derek and Maria grew worried about by how much information this person actually had and their family, including the names and birth order of their children. Due to the renovation and a creepy letter, the family had yet to move into the new home, and the watchers seemed anxious to see them do so. The writer questioned whether they would let their kids, who the writer referred to as Youngblood, play in the basement. That's creepy. So he called himself Youngblood? He called the kids Youngblood. So I wonder if he's a fan of that um, movie with Patrick Swayze and... um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Richard Gere, or what was it? What was it, guys? Um, God, who was who was the evil stepbrother and Tommy Boy? I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Rob, this, Rob, Rob Lowe. Lowe. Yeah. Rob Lowe. Maybe he was a fan of Young Blood. <laughs> or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. They wrote. In that same note, the Watcher let the family know that they pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession, and now you are too, Braddis family. Mm. So weird. Yeah. So now, go for it. These were typed letters, correct? Yep, typed. Okay. Hmm. And it said typed cursive, so it had to be a computer. Yeah, yeah. After the second letter, Derek and Maria stopped bringing their kids to what was supposed to be their new home. Weeks later, they received another letter. Where have you gone to, the watcher wrote. 657 Boulevard is missing you. (laughs) So it asked, did the Braddis family ever actually move in to 657 Boulevard? No. In fact, six months after closing on the property, purchasing the house for $1.4 million, they put mm. it right back on the market. They were unable to find a buyer due to the creepy letters, which the Broduses chose to disclose to anyone who came and looked at the property. I guess you kind of have to. Well, a murder didn't take place. Yeah, that's so true. You don't have. I guess they just wanted to be honest, but look what happened. They can't sell their damn house now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know how you live through what we did and think you could do it to someone else, Derek told New York Magazine. The Broduses attempted to sell the house again in 2016 for $1.25 million, but the letters were a no-go for potential buyers. The family's real estate lawyer suggested that they sell the home to a developer who would tear down the place, mm-hmm. a move that would have required the Westville Planning Board's blessing since dividing lot into two homes would go against local code. The Brodus's request was unanimously rejected after a heated four-hour board meeting in which many locals aired their worries that tearing down 657 Boulevard would lower the cost of their home and ruin the aesthetic of the neighborhood. Yeah, because if you're tearing down a 4,000-square-foot house to make two 2,000, it's going to... Yeah. yeah, so they're kind of in the right. So months later, the Brodus's were able to rent out the home, but shortly after the new family moved in, the watcher sent another letter. It was dated February 13th, which was the same day that Brodus gave a deposition in a legal complaint they filed in June of 2015 against the home's previous owner, the Woods, who they claimed should have warned them about the Watcher. This was thrown out by a judge. You wonder who the Watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Read the letter, which arrived two and a half years ago after the Brodus has brought the home. 
Maybe you even spoke to me. One of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the Watcher could be, or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. So he's kind of, the Watcher's now trying to throw the neighbors into this shit. Yeah, I mean, like, for all you know, you could have said something, you know, you're rude to your neighbor across the street, and there you go. Yeah. Yeah, wow. But it's weird that, so that's three families in this house that have received letters from this. Yeah, yeah. The new letter was more aggressive than the previous three, with the writer complaining about the media attention that Braddis had brought to my neighborhood, quote-unquote, but celebrated how the locals had saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. So he's saying he had them stop it. Okay. The Watcher even threatened revenge on Derek and Maria, seemingly plotting their deaths. Quote, maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, Maybe it's something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day, unquote. Surprisingly, the renters at the time didn't leave the house, but requested the Brutuses install additional security cameras. Uh, I'm out. You know how much they gotta be paying for rent for that place, too? Well, um, yeah, I mean... 1.4 million is the, you know, what say the value of the house. It's got to be like 5,000. Easy. Five 5, grand a month. month. Yeah. yeah. Was the watcher ever caught? <laughs> From the beginning, police suspected that someone in the Westfield neighborhood was behind the letters. Initially, they believed Michael Langford, the Brodus's next door neighbor whose family has lived there since the 60s, and who was described by another neighbor as kind of a Boo Radley character, according to New York Magazine. A what character? Boo Radley. I don't know who the fuck is that. I'm going to Google that right now. All right, you Google that. (laughs) Boo Radley. I don't know. Is it B B B O O B okay R A D L E Y? Okay, well, he's a character in Kill the Mockingbird. Um, mysterious, reclusive man, and is such the frequent subject of children's ghastly legends. Oh, okay. They say there wasn't much hard evidence against Langford, and he was never arrested. When a letter investigation revealed that the DNA on the envelope was female... Mm. Authorities investigated Michael's sister, Abby Langford, a real estate agent, and the home's previous owner, Andrea Woods. Neither was a match. Wow. Even Maria's DNA was tested, but she was quickly cleared of any wrongdoing. Another possible suspect, a man who was into really dark video games and often played as a character named The Watcher, according to his girlfriend, who was also dismissed after he failed to show up for multiple meetings with authorities. So he doesn't show up for meetings, you're going to dismiss him? Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) Oh, he's not coming in. I guess he didn't do it. Yeah. Oh my God, it hurts my head. Some people in the neighborhood told New York Magazine that it was possible the Braddises were behind the off-putting letters. But how? The family before got Unless they, because they didn't get it till the end. I so, wonder if they were doing like the Lutz thing. Maybe they couldn't afford uh, the mortgage and was trying to get, get out of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're behind the off-putting letters, suggesting the couple had realized they couldn't afford the home and wrote the creepy notes themselves in order to get out of the sale. Some even suggested that the couple were scammers looking for a movie deal. Well, that worked. Yeah. 
The Braddises reportedly turned down several offers and sent a cease and desist letter to Lifetime after the network released a 2016 oh. movie called The Watcher, inspired by their experience. Hmm. Derek did admit to sending anonymous letters to his neighbors who had bashed him on Facebook nearly three years after The Watcher and contacted him. He hoped the note signed, friends of the Barotis family, would help him clear his family's name, but it only made him feel more defeated by the situation. It's like cancer, he told New York Magazine in 2018 about the whole ordeal. We think about it every day. Despite an extensive investigation by Westfield Police, the Watcher has yet to be found. Hmm. So, what happened to the house at 657 Boulevard? In the summer of 2019, the Braddises sold the home for a massive loss. They sold it for 959000 hmm. So they lost, what's that, a mill? Yeah. Close to a million dollars, resulting in a hmm. $400,000 loss for the house they never lived in. In October, New York Magazine The Cut reported that when the new owners moved in, the Braddises gave them a note via the real estate attorney. We wish you nothing but peace and quiet that we once dreamed of in this house. They included a photo of the watcher's handwriting just in case any new letters arrived to the date. None have. The Braddises who moved to a... And I could be selling that. I think it's Broadus or Braddis, whatever. Mm-hmm. Who moved to a smaller home in Westfield told the Sun Online in October that they're traumatized by the experience with the Watcher and are trying to move on with their lives. They said the Netflix series, which they do not plan to watch, did not make them rich or even fully cover the losses incurred on the house of the sale. But you still made the deal, bro. Yeah, yeah. The identity of the Watcher remains a mystery, despite intriguing wrinkles in the case since New York Magazine published the story in 2018. After the article came out, the Union County Prosecutor's Office asked those who live near 657 Boulevard to voluntarily submit DNA samples. Mm. None of the neighbors were a match. Though one neighbor, named Malcolm Maddox, took issue with the search, but according to the cut, there is no one by the name of Malcolm Maddox who lives in Westfield. Maddox was a 1960s TV show in which a police officer named Art Malcolm helped private investigator Joe Maddox solve crimes. In the original note to the Brodises, the writer mentioned that their father had watched 657 Boulevard in the 60s. An odd development to be sure, but not enough to warrant arrest. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Neighbors making up names. <laughs> the case has also been tied to me and Orson Welles author Robert Kaplow, who worked as a high school English teacher two towns over from Westfield and has talked about the affection for the wealthy New Jersey town he grew up in during the 60s. Former students claimed to the cut that he had talked in his classes about the obsession he had with a home in Westfield and had written at least 50 letters to not the owners, but the home itself. And he's a teacher? He's writing... He's writing letters to a house. Sorry, I was on mute. My dog was barking. Oh, you're fine. So, um, yeah. Wow. And another strange coincidence, Kaplow's brother, lawyer Richard Kaplow, lived half a block away from 657 Boulevard and even represented the Woods in the legal complaint the Braddis filed against them. Speaking with the cut, Robert Kaplow denied being the watcher. He claimed that it was a different house nearby that he had been writing to, and the owners of the home actually let him house it due to his kind, non-threatening letters. 
<laughs> what the hell is going on in Westfield? Yeah, really. While Robert did not say why he had started writing to the specific home, in 2009 he said that Westfield remains for me the geography of my youth. I'm still very drawn to that place. The investigation remains inactive, according to the prosecutor's office, and there are no leads or suspects. However, the case isn't closed. Authorities believe the suspect to be older, female, and someone who lives near 657 Boulevard, based on the DNA evidence found on the envelope, and say the only way to solve the case is via confession or DNA match. But if the watcher decides to write again, the internet will be watching. So, how is this guy still an English teacher if he's writing lessons to a house? Right, yeah. And, you know, with with all the advances in DNA testing now, like, look how they capture the, um, like, the Golden Gate Killer or something out in yeah. California. I'm, I wonder if they've ever ran the DNA through the system because, I mean, so many people doing, like, the 23andMe and whatnot. But I wonder if, like, he just got a woman, maybe a, his girlfriend or a wife, to lick the envelope, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and... So he's like the, in a way, the Zodiac killer or the Phantom killer, never been caught. Yeah, could uh, be. And I wonder if he's got children and his children are going to be just as demented as him or her, you know, growing up. Yeah, like, uh, and then we're letting people go for not showing up. Like, that right yeah. there is, hey, hello, yeah. maybe we should yeah. bring that guy in. Yeah. Um, and we should let the viewers and listeners know that the house in the Netflix series, it's not like a secluded house in the Hamptons. <laughs> it's in a neighborhood. Yeah, it's, so, it's very close to other houses. I've driven and, past it a couple times. Um, I actually went on the IMDb website to see if there's any trivia. Um, like just, But there's really not. The only thing... So... They mentioned the John Graff murders shown in the show bear a trickling resemblance to the John List murders, who was a sick SOB, yeah, I remember which John also List. occurred in Westfield, but at 431 Hillside Ave huh. instead of 657 Boulevard. But um, yeah, there's um, really nothing, no trivia. I'll have to like read the link I sent Irene. Um but yeah, very interesting. Would it be like on our way to Amityville, like once we go to Tom's River, like would we pass by it at all? Like, I mean, we can. Be... It's not yeah. that much of a big because Westfield, you can yeah, actually we can. Westfield's right off the Parkway. Okay, cool. Because then we could hit that and then shoot over. Yeah, we can do that. That's doable. Nice. Yeah, we got to do that soon. Right up to this haunt season. So, what would you do if you and Terry started to get in letters? I mean, obviously you got like, you know, you have, I have the ring camera, you have the ring camera, like, what would you do? Like, how would you react? I'd probably do the same thing and get the police involved only because I have little ones and yeah. I, I don't need that kind of stress. Um, yeah, I'd probably go the same route. And with him, him or her saying the things in the walls. There's got to be, we got technology like x-ray, like scanners or something that yeah. can, like, why haven't they done that? What if there's, like, mummified bodies in there or something? Which has happened. 
Yeah. Um, (laughs) Speaking of that, like, you remember the horror movie The Gate? Yes. You remember how, like, even though it was a it was a fictional story, the kid would tell about the worker that got like um, he was like walled in and died in the wall, and then like when things started happening, he comes out of the wall. That always freaked me out. Yep. Yeah. It's so weird, man. Like I, I I read that story probably. I don't know, a year ago. Okay. And then I did a little short splat about it. Not covering much, not as deep as we went. But, I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah. I remember I first heard about it. I think it was like on Inside Edition or whatever, you know. It was, <laughs> it was hokey. Like, you know, if it was back in the 90s, it'd be on hard copy. Remember hard uh, copy? Yes. <laughs> the celebrity shit, the weird yeah. stories. Yeah. It was like the watered down Unsolved Mysteries yeah yeah speaking of which that's coming back on netflix soon very cool i think it's this week i have so much shit to catch up on bro i know i'm i'm behind on some things as well uh i just i'm still trying to get acclimated to the new schedule and um but yeah i know you're you haven't had a weekend in like a month in like a month and a half (laughs) yeah september 10th last weekend Yeah. That's why, like, I wanted to sit with you if you could today. I just mm-hmm. recorded with her for Halloween oh, wow. haunts today. Okay, I'm gonna cook dinner after we're done. Then I'm gonna edit all the shit. Cause tomorrow, all I want to do is just pack and then just sit here. <laughs> uh, are you going uh, out, out of state for work? Uh, now we're going to Salem on Wednesday. Oh, that's right. You're going to the Haunted Overload, right? Yep, heading on nice. up to Haunted Overload. Nice. And so are you, you going to have time to actually go to and walk around Salem? Yeah, we're going. Uh, I don't have to be to Haunted Overload till Friday. Oh, nice. So you'll have. So we're leaving. Tuesday? We're leaving nice. Wednesday morning around five. So we should get there about one. Okay. So we can figure out where the parking situation is and mm-hmm. all that. And then we're probably hitting. If we can, gonna hit Headless Horseman. That's in upstate New York. Oh yeah, all the way down. Yeah, it's only like, yeah, I want to go there like so bad. I mean, it's a very small town. Uh, It's not Sleepy Hollow. It's just the name of the haunt. It's in Ulster Park, Pennsylvania. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, but the city hall has a Headless Horseman stained glass. Which really? I thought was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, shit, that's awesome. I saw that on a video a few days ago. I was like, nice. see, I like when towns take that tradition in. Yeah, yeah, that's like, like you know, when you watch Hocus Pocus and how like they have like the big town Halloween party. I wonder if that's what Salem really does. I, I just saw yeah. a TikTok from Salem from like two days ago. Okay. Yeah, it's there's a lot of fucking people there. Oh shit! Nice. I was telling her, I'm like. You're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's on a bucket list of mine to visit Salem. So getting back to this Amityville book. Now it's out of print because I'm on a couple of um, Amityville Facebook pages. Okay. And someone's looking. He's like, hey, can you point me in the direction of some good books to read? So some people had mentioned the night that the Feos died. And they By Rick Asuna, yeah. Yeah, and they said, don't read that one because it's like garbage. Yep. Um. So someone had mentioned High Hopes. Have you, do you know about that one or read that one? Who wrote that one? Uh, that is written by two people, Gerald Sullivan and Harvey Aronson. I've not heard of this one. Okay. It just it just talks about the Feos. It doesn't even talk about the Lutzes. It's out of print. And it's it's um 
like on Amazon, like $60 or more, but I found it a hardback on eBay. I'm watching it. It's twenty eight ninety nine. He's got three and a half days left. It's not bad. No, no. So um, I think I might get it. But uh, a lot of people said High Hopes is a good one. Pretty cool. So yeah, yeah. I haven't heard of those two yet. And did and you did you know? And you, if you don't, you'll learn in the Dahmer. Um, there was actually underground comic books written about him after the murders. Oh, Dahmer. Yeah, oh, I no. uh, actually found him on eBay. Those sons of bitches are going for like $130 for Jesus. <laughs> That's crazy. So, yeah, yeah. So there's actually, there was one main comic, but then there was other people doing their own, and the main one is the one that's like going for a lot of money where like the secondary ones are you know really cheap yeah but uh i think that's a little sick right there it is because yeah. like i don't mind when people buy the shit to destroy it mm-hmm. but like ooh, i don't I, I don't see myself owning a piece of Dahmer. you know what i mean or bundy well there are there are people that like we're horror collectors there are people that are serial killer collectors and and um collect artifacts like you know envelopes that have their name on it like maybe they mail something from jail or yeah john wayne gacy's paintings um, i'm in a facebook group that has that stuff because okay. i'm just interested to see what people have yeah but like it's i don't know it's that to me is a little over the top yeah like i'm cool with all the documentaries and people being interested because it Say my son was killed by Dahmer. I would still want that story being told because mm-hmm. that story could save someone else's life. Because yeah. th- what they're doing, like, I believe there's still serial killers out there. We just, well, they just caught one in California, which is also a rarity because it's an African American serial killer. Well, we've had them in Philly. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll find his name. I, th- I think I have a folder on him. Because okay. I thought it would be an interesting story. Okay. But yeah, it was Philly in the eighties, I believe. Oh wow! But I don't. The press has learned not to give them news romanticized names like the yeah. Night Stalker yeah. or the you know whatever the Green River Killer, right? Yeah. So I I just don't think they get publicized enough, so they don't get that love that right. the weirdos give them. Yeah. Now, do you think it do you think it was in bad taste for Dahmer's dad to write a book about him? I'd have to read it. Mm-hmm. If it was like a lesson type deal, I'd be okay with it. But if it was just like glorifying, it was like, not glorifying, but I could have done more. I should have seen the signs. But he saw know? the signs, yeah. and because you were you're not having your kid taxidermy roadkill. If you don't already see the signs, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not a normal thing. Go yeah. join the basketball team. Start right. lift. You know, it's just, it felt like they did what the dad did in Dexter to try and keep him away from it. Yeah. But it blew up in the face. And you know how it was like a shock for a lot of people to see Molly Ringwald as is like the stepmom. Yeah. The mom was played by Penelope Ann Miller. So she was big, like in the eighties, you would remember her most as, Arnold Schwarzenegger's love interest in Kindergarten Cop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, I know her from somewhere, and I went on the IMDP. I'm like, holy shit, that's Penelope Ann Miller. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, 
I think yeah, Evan Peters just did a just phenomenal job. It's like what can, what can this young guy can't do? Even you know? in I don't know if you saw it, it was an HBO show. It was uh like a cop thriller with um who was the chick from Titanic? Oh, uh, okay. Well, oh yeah, he played the cop. He was good. And he was awesome. He, and spoiler, when he got oh. killed, I was like, "What the fuck?" I was pissed, dude, because I was <laughs> yeah. only watching that show because he was fucking in it. Right? Yeah. But she was awesome in it, and it, yeah. it, it reminded us of where we, because it's not far from here where that whole thing takes place. So, like, right. the accents and the Wawa, it all felt like home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The mayor of East Town or something like yep. that. Yep. Yeah, I watched that on the plane. Yeah, that was a good one. I I kind of wish there was like a second season. You know, I hate these limited season bullshits because you get invested in it and then you want more. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but I think the serial serial killers tales are important because, yeah. like, I taught my kids about Columbine. Okay, Columbine scared the shit out of me. It still does. Well, this, you were still in school when that happened, right? I was a junior. Yeah, I had I was one year out of high school when that happened. I was a junior. It's 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 a shame that. The, our kids have to worry about going to school of all places. Yep. You know, like we had it. I mean, I had it easy growing up. I didn't have to worry about metal detectors or wearing IDs. The building wasn't like locked down and, you know, anyone, anyone can just go in. Yep. Now it's like getting into the white house. Like yep. I was actually talking to a girl, um, well, woman, she is in the training class behind me. She's from Patterson, oh. and she went to Eastside High. And she was there a little bit after, like maybe 10 years after Joe Clark. Okay. And they were still chaining up the the um, the um doors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, ours, Atlantic City wasn't as rough as it's, like the middle schools were rougher than the high school. Really? Well, <laughs> Atlantic City shares a high school with Ventnor, Margate, right. and Longport. So it kind of evened out the, I'm not going to say classes, but the types of people. Yeah. So, yeah, middle school was a lot tougher. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I couldn't imagine going to school in Atlantic City District nowadays. <laughs> but, like, the Combine scared the shit out of me. So I yeah. tell my kids all the time, I'm like, listen, if you get out, get out. If you can hide, hide. And if I want your cell phone on you, I don't give a shit what the teacher says. I want it yeah. in your pocket. Yeah. Because, you know, after the Texas thing, who can you trust? <sighs> yeah, all those cops got fired, I believe, just recently. The Ulaval cops. Yeah, that yeah. was ridiculous. 47 minutes. And then they didn't even go in. The customs agent went in. Yeah, they were all just sitting there, like on their phone. I'm like, what are you on TikTok? Like, yeah. and you hear the gunshots. You hear the gunshots. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. Listen, I, I'm I'm a firm believer in you knew the job you took. Yep. I mean, I I love our army. I look, you know, I'll always salute them. But this is the we're not Pole or we're not Russia. You don't have to go do these jobs. You chose right. It. Yeah. Just yeah. like I choose, I'll bitch about it, but I choose to travel everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. it's we, we're not forced into anything here, right? But yeah, the, I think the, I think the tales need to keep going. I don't think we need them every month, but like every ten years, I think it's important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's. 
I always say you, you know, I'm, I'm a big, I'm big firm believer of history and for every wrong thing we've done in our past, we have to learn from it yep. and we can't not remember that it didn't happen. History will um, always repeat itself unless yeah. you're informed. Yes, sir. And it's like, when I think about it now, my mom practiced air raids when she was in school. Yep. And now our kids are practicing gun, like active shooters. What's it going to be in the next, you know, 50 years? You know, well, the robots will probably take over by then. So I mean, I'm in, I'm in, um, uh, giant food stores and there's a freaking, uh, Big ass robot sized Roomba, you know. <laughs> I'm just like I'm waiting for it. All I can think of is um Choppy Mall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. I didn't even know Giant had them. Oh god, yeah. And uh the Walmarts up here have them. And speaking of like Androids, have you seen the trailer for Megan? Yes. That is one creepy looking like I love the Chucky tweets. Like, who's this bitch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, have you that, started the Chucky series yet? I'm one episode in. I had okay. to watch last week's. It was, um, it was kind of, I mean, it was okay, but I think it's going to pick up now. Did you watch? You probably didn't watch it, yet, did you? No, I'm waiting until that's all done. Okay, I, with that stuff, I can't do the weekly anymore. Yeah, the first, the first episodes were just a little bit slow. There is like a time gap of like a year, but where it ends i think it's really going to pick up now and it's funny because it takes place like in salem new jersey it's where the kid moves to you know yeah so um it all makes sense i'm interested to see how glenn and glenda or whatever their names are going to play into it yeah 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 and they got uh american horror story the real one coming out not these stories for new york yeah i still i still have to finish the 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 stories actually that wasn't a bad episode this year or um, uh, anthology. You know, they're actually piqued my interest. So okay. um, I think American Horror Stories kind of run its course as far as the the story based one. I think it. I think there's a lot more they could cover. Um, I'd like to do vampires. That would be dope. Yeah, they haven't touched that at all. I love, I've always loved vampires. Like, I'm waiting for a vampire haunt. You know what I mean? <laughs> are you going to, well, speaking of vampires, are you going to watch the uh, interview to vampire? Sure. I'll check it out. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. Um, I have questions. I know, like, I I don't think it takes place in the same, same um, era as, like, the Tom Cruise one. Ah, uh, okay. I think it's, like, 100 years later. Hmm. So it'll explain a lot. Like, it's, let's, I think the individual that's playing Lestat is African American. And I'm like, well, how can he own a house in the seventeen hundreds? Yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. So um, but it, Anne Rice gave her approval, you know. So if she gave her approval, then but also, you know, people give their approval. Like, I don't know how Jamie signed off on this last Halloween. Like I <laughs> there wasn't many kills in it. <laughs> um as I mean there's a far less kills than Halloween kills. Um I can see why fans are upset, but it's also like and I don't want to give it away, but after you watch it and I send you this post, you'll be like Oh yeah, but 
it was a stupid way to end that new or the Strode Myers timeline. Yep. Very stupid way to do it. I could see it in another Halloween movie, but not this one. I gotcha. Yeah. And um, there is a cameo by Nick Castle. Oh, that's you, cool. You'll, you'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it The pacing was okay. Um, it was slow in some parts, but I still say Terrifier. Two thumbs up. Yeah, I got to uh, get to that, too. They... Uh, they had a re-release this past weekend at the movie theaters. So oh, good, for, good. Yeah. yeah, I saw it hit uh, the mill mark, which yeah. is good. And uh, they're going to be at Monster Mania. David Howard Thornton, um, Damian Leone, the actor and actresses that played the brother and sister. I am hoping the little girl Art the Clown is going to be there. Ah. She stole. She stole the film. Um, I did buy tickets for that Sunday, the thirteenth. I think it is for Oaks, and, right? Yes, yeah. and I did buy a professional photo op in costume with David Howard Thornton. Oh, that's and cool. And also Damien Leone. Oh, that's so, cool. And for the price, it was only a hundred bucks, so you can't beat that. Nah, that's not know? bad. No, so um, I told Irene, I'm like, well, I may or may not have uh, bought tickets, and and I've, and I've never done a professional photo op. Yeah, you know, because sometimes those prices are ridiculously ever. But I mean, we see a lot of them posted on our Facebook groups that look good. So I mean, it's kind of worth the money. Yeah, and so I think uh, I'm gonna try to get Heather Langenkamp's autograph. Um, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even going to entertain getting Robert's because I don't uh, want to. You would need just a day to wait in line. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. After this haunt season, I'm not affording any of that. Maybe next year. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the next the next NJ Horrorcons in March. So. They've announced um, so far Alex Vincent um, from Child's Play, the girl that played the foster sister, and the dad from License to Drive, who was also in the thing, Richard Mazur. Oh, yeah. 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 So, so far, I'd say License but, uh, to Drive. That was great a funny movie. fucking movie. Oh, you want to hear something funny? Oh, boy. Corey Feldman on Instagram. He, I guess he was going through his stuff and him and Haim wrote a script for License in Space and he wanted Haim to get clean and then he would entertain shopping and around. Oh, wow. I think that's what it was called, License in Space. I'm like, are you, are you serious? Oh man, the 80s. <laughs> the fucking but, 80s. Speaking of 80s, I also can't also have to say, uh, rest in peace, uh, Ted White, who just recently passed away, 96 years young. He had a great life, both off screen and on screen. His last credited stunt role was in the original Fast and the Furious. He was a stunt driver. Wow, and so that he, was the two thousand. So he was, was like yeah, seventy. He was, no, he was early eighties. Early eighties, yeah. Like mid eighties. I think it's like eighty four. My God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ted White, Jason Voorhees driving a rice burner. <laughs> I don't even want to get on a plane and sit like the middle seat. This guy's jumping out of cars at eighty four. Yeah. Oh my and god. And he still he still holds a Guinness Book of World Records from nineteen forty seven. He was in South Africa making a film with um, 
John Wayne, I think it's Hatari, and he is the only American to rope a South African buffalo. Oh. So it's an interesting you know. record. Yeah. <laughs> Hasn't been beaten since 1947. Wow. So and he took, you know, he he was in the Battle of Iwo Jima. He took some bullets to the legs. So he I I can't express enough. His book, Cast a Giant Shadow, was a great read. Um, his first horror convention he attended, he almost knocked out Lou Ferrigno. Because so, <laughs> Lou Ferrigno was being a jerk to him. Oh man. So yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm excited for the the next Monster Mania and my uh new hockey mask should be coming in the mail today. I think that's what Loki was barking at. Nice. So are you okay. going dressed to Monster Mania or now? I'm contemplating. Gotcha. You know, like part of me wants to, but part of me just wants to enjoy it. Yep. You know. Um, so I'm I'm debating, but I'm excited because trick or treating is the twenty eighth here and with my new schedule I'm now off. Oh, so, very good. And we get, from what I hear, a, a good amount of trick or treaters on my street. Oh, that's so, good. So if I don't go to Monster Mania dressed up, at least I'll dress up for that. And scare the shit out of the kids. Hell yeah. <laughs> and uh, this weekend, you know, I'm going to try to go to the Waldorf Estate. Okay. Yeah, either probably, if I if I do go, maybe Saturday. Gotcha. And you're going next weekend, correct? Yeah. yeah I would switch it, but I can't skip the, because I already have yeah. rooms booked for sale. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely want to make it up there. I want to see Josh. Yeah. I want to oh, shout out to Josh. Oh, yeah. The, in Fangoria. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a yeah. magazine that pretty much that's that was like all we had growing up to know yes. what was coming was exactly. Fangoria. And yep. you could, you were never allowed to buy it. So you had to sit there and look <laughs> through it. <laughs> yeah. And then like it, it like was defunct for so many years and then it came back. Yeah. So, yeah. Very so, cool. Fangoria should have their own horror channel. They and, should. Yeah. It can't hurt. No, I mean, everyone else has a horror channel. Why not Fangoria? Yeah. I mean, you have Shudder, which doesn't really put anything new up ever. And then. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I watch it more for their documentaries and like original series. Okay. I mean, they do. They do have some new content on there, but I just, you know, my, my cue is like so big of things that i need to watch <laughs> but they are coming out it's not through shutter but there's two um uh, documentaries on there if you haven't watched it yet i think it's called like in search of darkness it's 80s horror there's one and two of that right right there's a part three coming out soon. oh cool because yeah. i know the uh the dude james the um angry video game nerd yeah. Did part two. He had some lines of part two talking about horror. So yeah, I, I need to pick I want to own that actually, because I think that'd be cool to have. They're pricey because they're like independent. I yeah. think they're like forty bucks, mm. but they're three and a half hours long. And then there's gonna be three of them. So you got like yeah. yeah. The second one I felt wasn't as good as the first one. Okay. Uh but they did they did they did make another one called like one for sci-fi movies in the eighties. Oh, which okay. Would be, which would be nice, you know. There's a lot of great sci-fi and a lot not so great sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was skimming I didn't watch it. It was the fifty uh, 50 best horror movies you haven't watched yet. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. We see them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yep, yeah. seen it, seen it, seen it, seen mm -hmm. it. Oh, man. 
right. All right, bro. We're at the 50 minute mark, so we could get this a moving. All right. All right. Guys, this has been our episode on The Watcher. It was a real story, a real thing. It's not a hillside mansion, but still a five-bedroom house in Westfield. It's kind of big. But uh, this has been the Horror Shed Podcast. Thanks for getting lost in the woods with us. We'll see you next week. Take care.